0: History
1: of Chicago. Has been fantastic. Okay, in June, did
0: you intend to go back in the fall? I mean, no, you... there was nothing to go back to. Well, it
1: second. blew up. Okay, when I left, me.
0: there was not. There was no. The school was finished. There was no uh, support whatsoever.
1: Because the news cookies that summer. Yeah,
0: there were great, great acrimonious letters written in the New York Times, if I recall, and uh, certainly discussed in the Chicago papers, uh, with Maholi being accused of all kinds of things, uh, and Maholi defending it, and people coming to his defense. Now, the people that supported Maholi, and where you get the exact story, or not exact, but. Slightly skewed in their favor is uh, uh, Pussy Pepti, Walter Pepti's wife. See that they really were, and it was primarily her, not Walter, who gets all the credit normally. But she was very sympathetic to Maholi. Walter was the big, powerful businessman, and uh, they re- began to organize and raise some monetary support to start the thing because of the increasing antipathy to the Nazi Germany, that's why this name change took place when it started again. It was then called the School of Design. And, and it met, and I believe, the Shaferi. Uh, what was the bakery of the Shaferi over on Ontario. Now in that period, I'm out. I go back to Detroit to say, mm-hmm. I leave this place. But I keep seeing Moholy. He comes over to Detroit lectures every once in a while We're friends, we take him and show him, you know, factories. And, uh, Maholi has a great curiosity about everything. Had a very curious man, you know, very receptive, new impression, got excited about things. It's turned some people off, like Edward Weston. When Maholi saw his pictures, he started turning them around. Moho, Bola Newhall told him, Tells his story, but Maholi told me the story. When he turned around the Weston pictures and began to see faces in it, Weston got angry because he didn't want him to see anything. Else. Sorry. We're going to be there Wednesday.
1: I would you to stay on the table. I going to have my folks
0: pick up some more.
1: But you're visiting the busy woman. So <laughs> <laughs> that will be there
0: Wednesday. All right. You and have I the key. Try and get the uh, glory garden. Yeah, see if you can't get them now. Thank okay.
1: you very much. do want to eat something before you go. Uh, Better better yet. It's nice to meet you. Uh, where were we? So, of the original arts and industry groups oh, that yeah. yeah. originally supported New Bauhaus, the people who continue to support are the peties.
0: They are the ones that are the fulcrum for all efforts. Right. And with uh, Pussy being pushing Walter, her husband, who was in-container corporation, to believing very much in the idea, and in the holy, of raising some money and forming, you know, a supporting group. And then the composition changes, you see. And Staley is out, and there's a period of great confusion, you know, of reorganization. And that I was not here, so I can't You're speak. You've gone back that. to Detroit, yeah, and right.
1: in Detroit, you are doing what?
0: Oh, in Detroit, I begin teaching.
1: Where? In my house. Okay.
0: Private groups, uh, and I start doing commercial photography of all kinds, of, from photographing uh, bottles of liquor uh, for Arrow Distillery to doing architectural pictures for Albert Kahn and uh Serenum, he these the older Serenum, and uh, being friends with people at cranbrook and helping get started the, start a photographic uh, course there and active in the photo guild this camera mm-hmm. thing uh doing a lot of work for life for life yeah mm-hmm. which kind of work for that well, uh, news coverage, uh, lots and lots of assignments for Time, and uh, begin to work for industry of various kinds. And uh, the war effort begins, so I begin to uh, do booklets on things like strand steel, which you know was constant hot, during the whole manufacturing of it, and. Uh, Well, just doing all kinds of things. Making photograms, which I had made earlier, but making a lot of them, setting them out, uh, doing solarizations. And, uh, you see the experimental attitude at that point. You must understand this. By that time, the interest had, had shifted that it wasn't the stichens. But then, the Weston begins to appear. And the Ansel atoms begin to appear. And I brought Ansel Adams to Detroit, to the photo guild, um, where Harry, who keeps saying Ansel Adams was his great influence, that's where Harry met him, see? And we had been meeting Harry and Todd Webb and Don Shapiro and has commercial photographer and Frederick City, marvelous photographer. Uh, we'd been meeting sort of as a little group. Uh, Ansel came there, and he was already quite famous. There were a lot of books, and he wrote in this book, How to Make a Photograph, you know, which was becoming uh, the te- new technique of the straight photograph, in contrast to the earlier thing, it was manipulated. See, there was the, uh, you know the name Fossbender? Mm-hmm. Fossbender, you see, and that whole river of pictorialism, you see, was sweeping on very widely. But this other thing, the western photographer technique was beginning to permeate and people like myself were feeding into the pictorialist movement so that it was getting straighter and knocking out this manipulative thing which had come actually almost straight down from the photo secession Stie- of which stieglitz was responsible for but stieglitz himself left it you see about maybe 1960 or so and it continued, and there was this big break in photography between the kind of straight photography um, that was represented by the illustrative photographer. Are you with me?
1: I'm with you.
0: And Stieglitz as straight and Strand as straight. See, from the pictorialism, which was the predominant artistic yes. path, then in the 30s, you see, begins another kind of thing. Fortune magazine becomes very important in showing that industry can you know, be photographed with some interest. The photo league plays a role. Farm security administration <coughs> begins to play a very dominant role. That's what I objected to. Tucker's you know, photo league thing. The photo league had very little influence compared to it. Farm Security, which was all over the place, you know, constantly sending out material, constantly. Not to mention the WPA, uh, you know, having some little effect. I, for instance, in the about 1934 photograph, did jobs for WPA. I was not on the project, but I would photograph like Charles Pollock. I still have some of his lithographs. who's on? I think he was the supervisor on the WPA, and that thing there were actually photographers on the WPA in California. I think Meyer wife had a job as a WPA photographer in Oregon. I think that's right, in about 1934. So you begin to get a shift away from the pictorialism, you know, manipulated, which is now coming back full blast, you see, with people like Betty Hahn and Ben o. Friedman. is just another this is Photo secession too. that's Siegel's term for it.
1: When you were at New Bauhaus, yeah. was there any discussion of new color films when the photo film that just come out in the last no. two years before? There
0: was no, very little color. No color thing. Molly everything that Moholy thought about color uh, is in the color articles that you've probably seen.
1: Amish camera
0: yeah i mean he was very interested in the transparency of color his interest in color lights and uh he was trying to project you know what color might be but in terms <laughs> of doing color nothing was done I mean, and was there
2: anyone at the new bars who were working documentary photojournalistic was there any there was no interest in
0: never got that specific you see uh I had already done photojournalistic work.
2: Therefore, I was thinking maybe you influence was.
0: No no, 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 It never got very deep, actually. You know, the study of photography. It was just one kind of little instrument for education there, for learning how to see. And everybody did it. But not much time really was devoted to it. Now, on a theoretical level, Moholy was, was writing, and uh, he was See, he was a very active propagandist for the school. He wrote articles, he went and lectured all over the place, and he you know, did articles on photogram making, making, you know, step by step, and he did educational journals, and <laughs> photography journals. Uh, that was a lot of smoke. Not much was happening. There was only one person who really became a photographer that I know of before I came back started a photography program, to me. The only one that ever graduated as a photographer was a guy named Milton Halberstadt, who could give you more information than I can in this period. He's a commercial photographer who went to school, I think probably in the early 40s, and became a very good commercial illustrator, went to San Francisco, and uh, was very successful, and still alive. In San Francisco, right? in San Francisco, do believe he had a well-known studio. Now there's another person that also became very famous, but he was at the school for a short time. Then he went to study architecture with Frank Lloyd Wright. That was Angelo Testa, uh, not uh, uh, not Testa. Angelo Testa was a fabric designer. Tesky, Edmund Teske, T-E-S-K-E, who's in. He's become quite famous, you know, making montages that are. He's, uh, quite gay and very nice, and, uh, uh, lives, probably still lives in Los Angeles. I visited him one time. Uh, God, I can't even remember. Uh, he was living in one of the Frank Lloyd Wright houses that was sort of deserted in the middle of the city. Strange. Anyway, it's kind of a marvelous star. Now he was there and he became a photographer. Halberstadt, I think, actually, the only one that ever got a degree in photography before 1946.
2: Would you say that the New Bauhaus time for you was important in thinking about your own teaching career?
0: I didn't know I was going to teach. I was a hard-working okay, photography uh, teacher. My... sure. It was very important what i did what, what i considered what i perceived was when i came back maholi asked me we're jumping now
1: yeah we are jumping yeah when things stop jumping for sale and quickly stitching the years before maholi has to come back right. um
0: okay so i come back and i do a lot of things i teach i work uh, as a Commercial photographer. I work as a photojournalist. I begin doing documentary photographs actually for Striker as early as '38 on a freelance basis, non-staff in Detroit. Uh, I do enormous. What they were
1: paying was that competitive with news agencies. What FSA would pay for a photograph was that competitive or? Oh,
0: they were fair. Yeah, I mean it was. It was uh, never very. you know, high class. All the time, uh, the thing that paid most is the advertising. That all of us is paid, most all of us will, because when you have a page that's worth $60,000, what in hell difference would it make whether they pay you $2,000 for the picture or five? You know, particularly as the agency itself is getting fifteen percent of all the cost of production and space. So it's to their advantage to spend as much money as they can until such point as the client's, you know, doesn't think it's worth it. No, that's always been the disparity. And to sell photographs at that point, you know, as an artistic thing, that would be ridiculous. You know, somebody asks you for a picture, you give it to them, or you you charge five dollars or something. Mainly exchange pictures, head shows, nobody cared about You know, photographers. Um, All right. So I did a lot of work for life and time. A lot of commercial work. Uh, Had a lot of painting friends, painter friends, uh, as well as other kind of intellectual friends. Uh, And then the war began to, you know, intrude on our lives. Really. So uh, finally, in 1942, I went to work for Roy Stryker, and contrary to what you read in that new book on you know, a shared vision, I was the last one hired by Stryker, not John Vashon. I was hired the last month of his foreign security, and then it became all the Office of War Information. And they used pictures of Vashons in you know, 1942, 43, and I made pictures there. I did a wonderful one thing that I did that was important was a six-week or four-week coverage of Bethlehem Fairfield shipyards in Baltimore, which just did a terrific job. A couple of them were reproduced in the U.S. camera and one a double-truck night shot of the shipyards. But one of the things I did was, you know, have a little steel container about that big built out of the plates, and then they put a hook on and buoyed me up so high that I could photograph my limb off three and a quarter, four and a quarter, the sixteen ways. The entire ship, and at the end of that day, I was scared shitless. You know, I just got drunk. I was so frightened. But, uh, you do that, it's kind of a dumb thing when you're young. Uh, well, to the same period earlier before I went to work, I was photographing things for Fortune. I got stuck on uh, going up on a chimney. Uh, where we had a rope, and then what's called a bosun's chair, just a piece of wood. With two holes cut out and you sit down on it. Well, so I go up there holding speed graphic, and on the other hand holding on the rope, and this donkey engine gets stuck. So I'm stuck there for maybe four minutes. You know, maybe up will ten stories. And I'm trying to get up to the top of this to photograph the whole view around the Ford factory. Uh, get these, you do these dumb things when you're young. I don't know, maybe when you're old, they change. It's still the dumb things, but they're different kind of dumb things. Um, okay, When so you were doing all those <laughs>
1: jobs for Fortune, et cetera, that whole sort of bird's eye, I mean, here you're describing two different jobs in which either you set it out for yourself or the job... No, I never set, set it up, up for
0: myself. Okay. So those are they assignments. I'm okay. kept very busy. And at one point, I know, I'm sorry, when I went away war. Uh, my mother cleaned out the basement, threw out a lot of stuff, but had a pack of telegrams that big, you know, assignments. Well, Let me just finish this. See, again, why didn't I keep all that stuff? Why wasn't it important to me? Well, it wasn't important to anybody. This whole regard of history about photographers, that did not exist. That's all starts somewhere Oh, I've forgotten one thing that was very important. I met Beaumont Newhall in, uh, oh, I don't know, 36, 37, somewhere around there. And we were so happy to meet each other. There were maybe five people in the United States that were interested in the history of photography. Mr. Boni, there was a writer uh, who wrote a book on the daguerreotype, one of the few books I never got, which I wanted. X-D? No, no. Ferd Ryder, F-E-R-D-R-H-Y-E-R, I think it is. Todd Webb was not. He was a good friend of his. And, uh, Paul Strand was a little interested. Uh, but there wasn't anybody interested in the history of photography. That's a joke. Uh, I don't know whether Ferd is uh, alive or dead. He went to Hollywood, he was a screenwriter. And uh, he amassed a collection of, uh, a fantastic collection of books on photography, because he was trying to write this book. He was interested in the area. Uh, anyway, so when I'd go to New York, I would see Beaumont and Nancy and stayed at their apartment, which was near the Museum of Modern Art. And I was very grateful to Beaumont. So he gave me a perspective on history. I'm very grateful to Beaumont. Before Beaumont, there was no history in America. There were, you know, there had been French books, there was a German history, but it, there, Beaumont was the one that made American a history of American photography. And these attacks on Beaumont by younger, uh, you know, historians, you know, snide remarks about his attitude, his taste, are totally unwarranted. Because he did a marvelous job for the time. See, he just created this. Today, it's easy. You know, you read Beaumont, you read Gernstein, and you, know, you read German, translated into English by now. You know, that kind of thing. But Beaumont really is the guy that did the basic research.
1: OK. I'm just going to finish my question, then you had a question. And that was, with this bird's eye view, I mean, those assignments yeah was there any sense of where this whole new idea of uh, different kinds of shots came from i mean did you think of it because no. it? it hadn't i mean certainly hadn't been around when you were first growing up learning about photography hardly i mean that, or it was just a little bit around and then oh suddenly well, but was no but you with... see
0: by that time i was already very aware i began to get the english magazines german magazines i got russian magazines i knew about on Verta in the early thirties, and one of the things that I did at the new Bauhaus was we got a copy of Thunder Over Mexico by Eisenstein. I must have seen that two hundred times i mean, I'm just in my spare time show it to students because I could run the projector and I'd look at it and analyze it and uh, when the Museum of Modern Art first started its motion picture thing, I Iris Berry, I used to go to those things all the time, and I used to bring things, uh, you know, to Detroit, and later on, to the, when I came to school, I taught history of motion picture for about four years, in the early 50s, and had two, three hundred people coming. And I had a, what, I hadn't kept it up, but I had a marvelous motion picture library. So that, the idea of looking down was something that was very absorbed by me, and the close up.
2: All right, you want to add something? Yeah, I want to ask um, whether you have had an interest in the media, which you couldn't deal with inside job work. I mean, would you say, I don't know enough about your photographs, and I would like to see them, but would you say that, beside your jobs, you have worked in a I'd say yeah, and wh- how would you describe all your the interest in the
0: media beside your, your jobs? Well, for, from the time I began, I liked to take pictures for myself that had no use whatsoever accepting to me, and which my ideas would, you know, change after a while. Uh, but running along all the time, I used to make pictures that I wanted to make pictures of and those considered consistent okay but
2: working for agencies and working for a commercial that's not the that's not a question of making pictures no no i, I
0: said like aside from that yeah aside from that i made pictures for myself all the time even in terms of the camera club. you see those were pictures that i made because i wanted to and they were uh oh, but
1: okay Perhaps a different way of asking my question is by the No, all you. my color
0: pictures, for instance, were done when I was doing commercial jobs on one hand, but these were just made for myself. The reason they're called the whole series, uh, maybe, you know, pretty soon I'll show you these, uh, they were called search of myself.
2: I, w- I only wanted to ask how you would describe your interest in these art pictures. That so I can't. doesn't you fulfilled
1: by doing commercial jobs I as understand. well I understand. I'm
0: telling you. I always did pictures for myself, but that did not, and also I must say that I rarely did a job that I didn't want to do. I mean, I would turn down jobs all the time if I didn't want to do them. Uh, The, uh, I I always did them simultaneously. Photography has always been a continuous web to me. I learned a great number of things from doing commercial jobs that showed up in my photography, uh, you know, my, what I would call my personal photography. And I did a lot of commercial things that were the direct result of my experimentation in my personal photography. It's not unlike Ansel Adams. I mean, Ansel, you know, did commercial work all the time. including selling his landscapes. I mean, that's again a very funny thing. You could go to Best studio and buy these, you know, magnificent pictures of Ansel Adams for three dollars, you know, where he printed big batches of them. And they just stole them. Okay.
2: When you started working in college, you worked in black and white, beside, I mean, as a, I'm speaking about your private okay. pictures now. And now we're jumping
0: to the fifties, you see. We we've skipped over a whole period of back to school if you want also to also the war. That. Okay. Okay.
1: Nineteen
0: forty two. Nineteen forty two I go to work for Roy Stryker right. yeah. and OWI and work and finally my brother is in the army in the tank corps and all my friends are in the you know, in the services and, uh, and I get my deferment lifted, I'm traveling down a towboat doing a picture story on called tow called River, uh, no, uh, the Army's Navy, the Army's Navy, I guess it was called. Yeah, that was one of the stories. The Army had all kinds of Navy, all kinds of ships they owned. Um, so I was doing a story, and I was coming down on a towboat, I get the radio message, I think it was at Cincinnati, I get off. My plan had been to go down to the Mississippi on a towboat, showing all the traffic. Um, so I get off, I go back to Detroit, pull my affairs together very quickly. I an appendix operation unexpectedly, but still go in. And uh, when I was in Washington, I had uh, talked to a general in the Signal Corps who I'd been working with. He said, go into the Signal Corps. you will be a second lieutenant. It was all arranged. But when I get to the uh, reception center, they talk me into uh, the Air Corps needs photographers and sounded better than me, you know, fly in an airplane and walk on the ground. So I go into the, into the Air Corps, that's the way things happen then. And uh, I go to Miami Beach for the, the training, uh, basic training. And I probably have the longest basic training of any s- soldier in the United States. I'm in basic training for nine months. Because when, they, when I take all the tests, the placement tests, It turns out that I have a very high mechanical aptitude and have had college educational experience. But I've taught at the college level. So they asked me if I would go in and be trained as a link trainer, operator, and instructor who deals with officers, teaching them navigation. So that sounded fine to me. So, but this class was so small, it was up at Chinook Field, that it openly opened up, I don't know, every three months or so. And then it turned out to be a very small class, so I'm down there I think six months, and then I'm supposed to go up there, so I get uh, uh, pneumonia or flu, something, on the damn train, which was freezing cold, going up to Chinout, I drive to and I land in the hospital, so I missed that, So I have to wait another month or so, uh, two months, and I wash dishes, um, um, I mean, is he tired?
2: Yeah. He just operates.
0: He's a professional. The same way with Harry Callahan. He photographs when he's drunk. He photographs when he's sober. You know, hungover. He just—he's pho- a photographer, you know. So he photographs. You meet young students who tell you, "I don't
1: feel like photographing.
0: It has nothing to do with feeling like photographing. You photograph, and then your feelings get mobilized." Just like, you know.
1: All right. You're in the war. Love. Fast. What do you do during the war?
0: Well, mainly I waste my time as compared to what I was doing before I got into the airport. I was telling you before we had lunch that uh, I stayed in basic training, then I finally went up. I did go through the Link Trainer Instructor School, and I went through the top ten percent of the class. So I got a ten-day furlough as a reward. And when I got back, I, you know, while I was on the furlough, I thought, "Well, oh, this is silly. Here I am, a guy that's photographed, you know, for lots of war information, life. And I'm a real valuable photographer." So I go to the colonel of the school and said, "Well, you know, sir, I think that I really ought to be." back in the photographer he said photography he said no way he said we've just spent five thousand dollars teaching you how to you know be a trainer of officers very complicated the link trainer i don't know if you know it a
1: little bit i know yeah. enough. yeah very
0: complicated so i did well and uh he said well there's no way we're going to send you out you know someday so i salute him and, and went across the street to work